Welcome back, boys and girls. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day. So let's get to talking. There's no doubt we all love our cannabis. At least, says this guy. I think everybody loves their pot. So this gentleman is a dispensary owner out of Washington. They're looking at the numbers of how much revenue it earned in the last year, about half a billion dollars for the, you know, for the state in terms of revenue. Um, and it exceeded liquor markets by a quarter billion dollars, which is quite, quite large. That's a huge jump. Uh, but um, everybody's happy. The money's rolling in. And uh, for states that have done something, um, they're seeing that benefit. Now, we all have our problems, right? California has their problems relating to cannabis. Dispensary owners are unhappy with taxation and um, the, dare I say, the fact that we're in a recession, just my opinion. I'm sure I could be wrong. So there are all these issues. Now, for sure, we know there's a lot of positives that are coming out of it, lots of revenue, as long as it's being spent correctly. It's probably the most critical aspect of all of it is that, hey, we're going to raise all this money by legalizing cannabis. Are we allocating it responsibly? Are we seeing results, quantifiable, positive results from the money we're throwing at certain problems? At least I hope so. We won't find out for years. Now, this all kind of ties in together. If we check out this next clip. It's not the kind of well-oiled machine you'd expect to see in Oklahoma. But make no mistake, folks here know a boom when they see one. We're in one of the reddest states in the country, standing in a room full of marijuana. Unbelievable. No one thought we would be here even three years ago, right? So that's Oklahoma. Now, they're doing really well. Their cost of entry is very low, and I've made videos about this before, but their economy is doing pretty damn good for a red state, as they say. Look at how much cannabis is just in that one room. Uh, They're making strides to change, at least that state is, or they're just looking at it as the opportunity. Uh, But the cost of entry is so low. They've got over 9,000 dispensaries and like 30,000 different grow operations that I guess are documented in some form don't even know if they're illegal ones. Probably are. I mean, I I read several stories where uh, Oklahoma farms are getting raided left and right uh, for illegal farms, and they're pulling out out, uh, immigrants. So Chinese immigrants, um, mostly, is what I've read, which uh, I found another story about that was related to it. You know, one of these farms had a handler And they were able to catch that person. And the gentleman, also a Chinese native, was saying like, hey, you know, people got to eat and people got to earn. I was just giving all of these um, people that I know uh, jobs, just a way to earn. Uh, That's his excuse. So I don't know what's going to happen with his story or his case or whether or not he's going to be prosecuted. As I said, though, it all ties in together. So Oklahoma is doing very well, but on the flip side has a lot of these other issues because of, um, you know, I guess if you have low cost of entry, why wouldn't you do it legally, right? If we're looking at both sides of this, if you come to California and you want to do it here, the cost of entry is very high. And so you may not be able to do it. Um, But uh, both of these inevitably still so some kind of um, confidence in the black market. Don't understand uh, why it would be that way, you would think. And I've made this argument for California, lower your taxes and, you know, uh, maybe the black market uh, might take a small hit 
It's not going to disappear. It's uh, certainly uh, not going to disappear. doesn't matter if it's a, a temporary change. Um, I guess if we're doing this comparison between both states, a lot of people left California for Oklahoma when those laws changed and the barrier of entry was lowered. Um, people left here and went there because they saw an opportunity to start their businesses and their new lives over there. Uh, and um, a lot of them are successful now because they made that transition. But I'm looking at both sides and both sides have a illegal market that they can't really suppress. Now, going into the third piece here, which is this video. They say a house fire led to the discovery of a huge marijuana grow inside a home. Take a look at this. A fire broke out on Sunday near Buffalo and Peaceway. When authorities arrived, they discovered 812 marijuana plants along with rigged electrical work, modified gas lines, lighting and fertilizer. Metro says narcotics detectives are investigating and still looking for the people running that grow operation. So as you can see, a fire broke out in some suburb of Vegas, a illegal grow house uh, illegally um, redistributing energy from the grid. Who knows if they did anything with water? They saw something with gas. These are all problems. Uh, and it doesn't end there, of course. Naturally, um, they couldn't find who's operating it. I guess the investigation will continue until they do find somebody who, was, uh, who can take ownership of that operation. But they're probably long gone now. Um, these are serious crimes, and they are serious issues in terms of uh, resources. Resources are very important. How they're allocated, how they're priced in, how um, these uh, businesses are paying for them. Uh, the legal ones have to pay it. The illegal ones are finding ways to get it for free. God knows I've spoken to several people in the industry over the years, and most of them were quite fine with telling me, uh, you know, they would call over their electricians, they would rewire some stuff, and bam, their bills don't go up ever, which is insane. Didn't even know that was possible until these people were kind of explaining to me how they were circumventing very high energy bills. Um, but there are many people who are doing this, and it puts a strain on resources. So these are all kind of issues of the broader um, broader like cannabis industry, legal markets paying too much everywhere. Nobody wants to consume it because it's too damn expensive. Black market thrives as a result with no repercussions, um, very, very low overhead in the sense of uh, when we compare it to legal market. It's a fucked situation. I don't know how new states coming into it are going to combat this issue or if they even care to do so. That's a huge question for me. Like, are you guys concerned about this? What are you going to do about it to prevent it? There's a high likelihood you may not be able to prevent it. Many of you may have heard this about the illegal grow market um, for cannabis. You may have heard it on Joe Rogan's podcast when he had a, uh, a ranger on, uh, somebody uh, that works for Parks and Rec. But um, a lot of illegal grow operations are using state or like uh, national parks to, to do whatever they're doing. I mean, it's not that hard. We're talking about tens and tens of miles in either direction. You know, if you just nestle in somewhere, chances are nobody will even see you. Helicopters and 
planes may not see you unless they're specifically looking for you. Uh, but the damage that these guys are doing to the environment is god awful, and no repercussions. Like very difficult to get uh, uh, get people into custody long term without them just starting over again. There are many instances just like this one, um, whether it's in a suburb or in the middle of a national park. They're both causing serious problems um, for sustainability of a market that is beginning to become legal in some fashion. Interesting for me to kind of look at both sides and and see I've been an advocate of like lowering the taxes for California and uh, easing up on that. And I knew right off the bat, even doing so would not harm the black market. They're entrenched pretty good. Um, the, um, the long-term is probably what you have to focus on, uh, to, uh, to reduce the, the spread or influence of the black market in, at least in the cannabis world. Um, maybe when everything drops down to a price of like a dollar a gram, they will no longer wish to do this because it's not as profitable, but then they're, you know, if that happens, you're going to destroy the entire market as it is. No one's going to be able to earn a reasonable living selling, cultivating, selling cannabis of any type. Gosh, a whole lot going on. Anyways, as I'm just talking, these are some of the thoughts of what I've, what I'm seeing. You know, what I'm, uh, what I'm gauging from the situation. There's this other story that um, uh, Congress or some body of government is looking to um, change the the THC content for hemp products. They want to increase it. I think it was Rand Paul that may have introduced it. And I was curious, what the hell does this mean? So let me share the screen and, and then we'll wrap up this video for the day. If you want cannabis delivered fast, grassdoor.com can get it done in 45 minutes or less with over 500 plus products, daily deals, and all your favorites like flour, pre-rolls, vapes, edibles, and concentrates, there is no better place to turn. Right now, you can save on any order that's $30 and above if you use the coupon code ARK. That is all capital letters, A-R-K. Grassstore.com. Get your weed today. Hemp could have more THC under the new congressional bill that aims to fix regulatory issues for expanding industry. Okay, Congressional Bill seeks to build upon the federal legalization of hemp by providing cannabis businesses with additional flexibility that's been sought after by industry stakeholders, as well as remove a controversial ban on market participation by people with prior drug convictions. Um, a Democrat out of, I don't know, is that Massachusetts? Is that um, Minnesota? I, I don't know. M.E. Um, filed the Hemp Advancement Act on Tuesday. The legislation could provide several critical reforms, including uh, by increasing the legal THC threshold for hemp products from the 0.3% to 1% on a dry weight basis. It could additionally, however, upend the growing market for Delta 8 THC products by officially counting the insomer and allowable THC amounts. It would also address an issue related to THC levels for in-process hemp. So, Congresswoman, I just introduced the Hemp Advancement Act because the industry has been stunted by unworkable and overly complicated regulations. 
Businesses previously raised concerns about the THC threshold prescribed under existing federal statute because the process of hemp extraction can temporarily raise the THC content in a crop in a way that could make them liable for enforcement action. So I guess that's part of uh, the cultivation and then the extraction, if they want to turn it into oil or whatever. The proposal would also remove a requirement under the 2018 Farm Bill that the crop can only be tested at laboratories registered by the DEA, a prohibitive policy that the lawmaker highlighted with a supplementary map showing the limited number of such facilities across the country. Let's see if we can zoom in on this. I mean, that's still a lot, though. Look at that. Got to be at least 50. Not in every state, but it looks like every state with major cities in them, there is such a laboratory. Interesting. These are insufficient testing facilities right here in Maine. Oh, it's Maine, M-E. We don't have one at all, and there's two that cover all of New England. Interesting. To eliminate this DEA requirement would take away one more obstacle that farmers are currently facing. Again, it takes it out of this realm of, uh, you know, this uh, is about dealing drugs. This is an agricultural crop. Let's assess it for appropriate reasons, but we don't have to make it so sinister that everything has to be done by the DEA. I guess well said, huh? In quotes, this ban treats hemp as if it was a controlled substance and that People are trying to somehow engage in drug dealing or nefarious activities. As we all know, hemp is an agricultural crop and has a whole different purpose. And like all agricultural enterprises right now, we have a labor shortage. Fascinating. I mean, 0.3% to 1%. I guess maybe that would fix some problems for farmers and extractors and some of these other ancillary businesses around cannabis. Maybe that'll also make their lives easier with um, outside distribution, being able to ship it. I've seen a lot of companies that I was dealing with that can't ship their products out of their state anymore because of certain regulations or uh, certain thresholds that they couldn't meet. Um, became very difficult for them to overcome. Don't even know if some of them are around anymore. I remember I was dealing with a company that um, they're biochemists, they're product is called Acceptol. I do carry it. Uh, one of the best CBD products out there uh, because of the technology and method they used for penetration um, into the body. So absorption and penetration is very high. Um, people really love their products. Uh, but when I spoke to them years ago, they were telling me, you know, watch, a lot of these guys are going to disappear. Most of our competition is going to disappear is what they were saying. Now, from a sales perspective, sure, I get it. Um, as a company perspective, there, you know, that makes them happy. But the reasons for it were legislation, and I didn't, I didn't foresee it. That's all they told me. But as I look forward now, or I should say, as I look back now and reflect on it, this is what they were talking about. Lots of the legislature that um, has been passed make it very difficult to operate if they don't fall within those guidelines. I mean, the the D, you know, having the DEA test all the cannabis or their laboratories or authorized laboratories, that seems kind of um, unfair. It seems uh, rather odd that they would be tasked with such a thing uh, if we're talking about just hemp. So I don't know. What do you guys think? That's it for today. 
I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you learned something. And um, of course, leave them down below. I'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>